Welcome to iPhone. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to episode 53 of I4O. Um, it is a bit of a slower week uh, in news this week. We do have a few conferences coming up just for anybody who is uh, and wants to be in the know. Uh, we have, just a, just a, before I do the intros, we have Computex coming up, we have E3, and we also have WWDC coming up. We'll have some news about the last one a little bit later, but more importantly, I am joined today by two of my favorite people, uh, the first of which being Jeff Batinsky. How's it going? Going great, Matt. How about you? Full name. I had to use your full name today just because I was so excited, but I am well. <laughs> I'm doing really good. Um, I am excited for this episode. As am I. And also um, the chief the chief beard officer on the podcast, Kyle. Kyle Fisher. How's it going? What up, man? Hi. <laughs> How you doing? Unlike PUBG, don't sue me for copying your intellectual property. So uh, just... your, yours is yours is brighter and more defined than mine. So I can't. I I really have no ground to stand yeah. on. A beard is a beard. <laughs> All that, that a... matters is the face is attached to. Was that a subconscious opinion on the PUBG topic? Possibly. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but yes. So all introductions aside, hello chat. By the way. Um, I am going to, I guess, let's just get this show on the road and jump straight into the first topic. Um, so we've all heard, and by we've all heard, I mean nobody's heard yet on this episode, uh, Microsoft is thinking about purchasing GitHub. Uh, this would be huge for Windows uh, and a massive purchase, arguably probably as big as buying LinkedIn. Um, but... This is uh this is some pretty big news. What do you what do you guys think about this? It's gonna they said they're talking about of an investment or a full fledged acquisition, but like what do you think this would mean for like the development community or um, what are your thoughts on this? I'm I'm curious now that I finally have someone to pass it to. Oh boy, um, <laughs> I am a little nervous and a little skeptical here. Um, mm -hmm. From what I've seen, there's a lot of people who really hope this is not going to happen because. They are not willing to confide in Microsoft with a service like GitHub that they use regularly. Um, I am a little worried that Microsoft is going to uh, take a stance where they require you to sign up with one of their services in order to use GitHub. Um, I think people like the independent kind of nature of GitHub. Uh, and I think that if you tie this into some of Microsoft's... Um, inside the box blunders in terms of software um this could ruin something that's currently in a good state um but you never know microsoft's a big company they have a lot of um a lot of money to throw around so they could make some improvements to github too mm -hmm. yeah um i don't know what this exactly means for specific developers um what this means for writing for the microsoft uh, ecosystem of software as well, um, but at le at the very least, um, this ensures that GitHub is owned by a company that has the money to keep this service running. Because obviously, GitHub is extremely important to the to it's arguably where most companies all of their IP is stored on a private GitHub or the source for which that their developers are employed um, is stored on GitHub, and it's. It's definitely a big purchase. Um, it'll be very uh, interesting to see if Microsoft actually keeps GitHub on the course that it's on, or if it tries to do something fancy with it and ruin the whole platform, like you said, um, in so many words. But I, um, I'm not sure uh, exactly if this it may or may not go through. Um, it seems like from according to this Engadget article that. GitHub was asking a little bit more than Microsoft wanted to pay for GitHub. Um, it looks like they may just be holding out for a, a higher bidder on this service. Um, and at the very least, this article and this bit of news gets that ball rolling and maybe is indicative that GitHub might potentially be running into some financial issues. So they may be looking for a new buyer or someone to purchase the IP on, on the faith that this service is something that's going to stay for the long run. Right. So 
and and maybe I don't understand. I think you guys know the the coding and developer life and uh and and it's where it currently stands, especially with a with a company like GitHub. Um, but I think just on the surface, the way I look at it is that like you said, people seem to like, especially the people who are diehard into tech and coders and stuff, they like that private feel. They don't want to feel like they're working for the man or working for Microsoft or working, you know, in 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 that regard. So I think the what could be the best option would be that that joint marketing venture where they're taking some ideas, but they don't own them. They're still their own independent thing, but we're working together in some aspects. I think that would be the best way to make the people who currently subscribe to GitHub uh, feel the most comfortable with this uh, transaction occurring um, mm -hmm. while still giving GitHub its independent feel. Microsoft still gets to benefit from that while not having people run away scared or changing its, its, um, its message or its appearance entirely, which you, you do see happen a lot when these smaller companies get bought up by giants. Right. Yeah. And, um, and just, it is... just real quick, before we get further into sure. it, can, sure. one of you two, just for, I mean, I know a little bit about GitHub myself, um, for the people who are casual viewers, what exactly is GitHub? What are they, what do right. you get out of GitHub as, as a company, um, for someone who's so, unfamiliar? GitHub is essentially just a repository for code. It's a uh, cloud storage solution for code, which includes things such as um, like version control, uh, basically saying that um, you're able to keep track of the changes made to the code base and ensure that the code that you're, it, it provides like testing and staging environments so that way when you're working on code, you don't have to write your test code directly in your production code base. You can test it in a separate uh, repository and then merge it when it's been validated as being correct. Um, so it's just like a, it's a repository. Other other code repos and version control systems. Um, another one is CVS. You probably heard of that one. Mm -hmm. um, so anybody yep. who has worked in some kind of version control environment, whether it's for documentation or code itself um, and files, this is basically what this is. And GitHub. Last time I. I'm I'm like 95% sure, but I'm like also sure that you can use this for more than just code. You can use it for files and um, things such as of that nature and have your own like local GitHub repository on your computer if you're doing work um, just, just to make sure you're not overwriting your stuff accidentally. So that's like essentially what GitHub is kind of a little bit more of a verbose way, mm -hmm. but um, yeah. Yeah. Good explanation. Cool. <clears throat> And I don't know how how Microsoft has done business in the past because I just didn't take that. It's apologies, but I didn't take the time to to research it for this topic. But is is a merger something that would be likely to happen, or like a partnership, or would it? Well, is, is Microsoft's game? You're with us, or you're not. And and because you know, I know that they initially discussed doing some sort of marketing partnership or some sort of partnership where they're they're working together. You know, you can throw mm -hmm. Microsoft's name underneath it, but it's really its own company still, like you know, or a subsidiary or whatever. Is Microsoft really in the business of doing that nowadays, or are they just kind of like you're either with us or you're not? Uh, I've never heard of Microsoft working directly with a company like this, especially since their their whole product lines don't really like they're not really a competing business. So it might just make more sense for Microsoft to just buy out GitHub. Uh, that being said, uh, it's important to note that neither company confirmed these rumors. Um, so this could just be rumors. Uh, but that being said, um, like much in the same way with like LinkedIn and any of the other cloud services that are that, and products that Microsoft has purchased before, I don't think they've ever merged. It's just been a straight purchase. So you have to, uh, you have to think about why Microsoft is doing this to kind of get back to what you're talking about, Kyle, with, are they going to let them kind of be autonomous or are they going to kind of overhaul GitHub? If, what you were saying, Matt, if GitHub's struggling financially in some way, um, that maybe isn't being advertised publicly, but mm -hmm. you got to think about why Microsoft is doing this. They want to profit from this acquisition. Um, the developers who work for GitHub would be a resource to Microsoft if they were to purchase GitHub. So I would think that they would kind of merge in that sense where, yeah. um, and you got to think about things too, like uh, Azure Cloud Platform, um, yep. Windows 10, that kind of resource with GitHub, which is a really reputable uh, application and service being brought into Microsoft would 
give them an upper hand in their development, um, which yeah. they'd certainly like to have uh, as they continue to develop things like artificial intelligence. Also, there are AI solutions as well. And the chat also brings up a good point that they might also be able to acquire more contracts through this purchase as well, just because GitHub is such an established um, IP. So, yeah. Um... Yeah. And I think anything you can do as as a major business to enhance your cloud, especially a company as as well established and old and big in name as Microsoft, that anything you can do to get to get better integrated into the cloud mm -hmm. and get somebody who has that whose whole company was brought up during that era versus you who has to adapt to your company's ideals towards an, an ever evolving business where you can bring in somebody who the only thing that they know is this is the current day landscape i think that all that does is help you not only internally with revenue but it also helps your image outside so i think that whereas some people might look at you know i mean it's, it's i'm looking plainly on the surface here people look at like Apple versus Microsoft. Apple's the young, sleek, cool thing. Microsoft is a is a bunch of old guys. I mean, granted, that's not true, but that's how you can generalize the 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 on the surface how those two companies come off. And I think anything you can do to get more new, to get integrated into a, a space that that people have been brought up in and live in, I think is a is a beneficial move to your team. So I understand why right. they, being Microsoft, would want to do a full merger or a buyout or a purchase versus a uh, <clears throat> versus just funding them. Right. Yeah, and with the, with, the, with the yeah price tags about it's estimated to be about five billion dollars right now, um, mm -hmm. and I Ew. Microsoft is a little hesitant to make that purchase at that price. Um, I mean, they bought LinkedIn at twenty four billion, so I mean, if they can see value in LinkedIn, then they can probably justify five billion for GitHub. Right. Um, <clears throat> that's aside the point. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Now, GitHub, GitHub has yeah. about uh, 23 million users that are active, mm -hmm. and uh, they support about 1.5 million organizations. So definitely yeah. something to consider at that price point, even with a $5 billion price tag. Mm -hmm. Yeah, who knows? If these conversations are happening behind, you know, the, the rumor could be that the last thing that someone heard was, oh, they offered three versus the five that GitHub was looking for. Well, Microsoft's smart. They could just be, okay, we'll definitely pay five, but if we offer three, maybe they'll come down. It could be something as simple as that, and that's the rumor that the person heard, and then they put the, you know, or I, mean, I shouldn't say rumor. The the source confirmed that latest talk to the person, and that's when they published the article. So, mm -hmm. I mean, you know, obviously with all these things going on behind the back and unnamed sources, it's 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 going to be the information that we have now is probably the best we're going to do until something official gets uh, starts to starts to roll. So yeah, and speaking of uh, Azure, I don't know if GitHub is hosted itself on AWS or on Azure, but I would imagine that if this purchase goes through, then it will be completely moved to Azure if it's not already there, which I don't know what that would mean for um, the development base of the community around that, but that's just something else that might be important to point out for anybody who works in AWS or Azure, which is the cloud hosting for websites. Right. So, but yeah, that's that's aside the point, but, um, but yeah, this is, this is pretty big if it's true. Um, but I, like I said, I think we need to see a little bit more movement towards confirming the rumors and maybe even a comment from one or the other. Um, they're probably keeping quiet for legal reasons right now if, if it's actually going to go through, which is understandable. But, um, but yeah. Um, like like an, a, a lot of other topics on this show, it's a ongoing development. So um, I'm yeah. sure we'll have updates in future episodes. Yeah. Speaking... Of ongoing topics, <laughs> actually, uh, we have another net neutrality article for this week. So get out of here! Yeah, right. <laughs> net neutrality in a tech news podcast. Get out of here! What is this? Isn't net neutrality like three months ago? What's wrong with us? <laughs> <Come on. laughs> Just trying to get another piece of the edge of pie. <laughs> there it is. So, for everybody who can see it on the screen. California Senate has passed a net neutrality bill. Um, and for our listeners ahead of time, you can't see the screen. So there you go. Um, they have moved closer to establishing their own net neutrality law. Um, so basically what this is, is it's just preventing the zero rating of services, uh, which is giving other companies advantage, much in the same way like how AT&T and DirecTV 
Uh, it won't count against your data if you're using a phone with an AT&T data plan. Um, so it has to clear the state assembly before it's signed into law, but this is nice. It's good to see that this wall is actually moving forward. And I don't think we would expect many problems with a bill like this in California being how heavily leaning towards the left and towards pro-net neutrality um, the state has been historically. Um, I, I don't see much of a surprise there, but that being said, it's it's still big news. Um, and it could be a potential uh, gateway to other states implementing similar, um, similar policy. But California is one of the biggest economies, and if not the biggest economy in the United States. So that in itself ha must have some kind of staying power in the industry for ISPs. And maybe we'll see something where it's just cheaper for them to just uphold net neutrality financially than it would be to go on a state-by-state -state basis. So I don't know. What are your guys' thoughts on this? I'm, I'm really curious to hear this because this is, this is big news. Well, I think that it's, it's good from those who are uh, proponents of net neutrality to see a state like California that has such a large um, technology base there. I mean, Silicon Valley's there is a lot of um, just tech in general in California. To see a state of that size and of that nature making this move could be um, kind of opening a door for other states to do the same. I mean, we've seen Oregon, New York, et cetera, um, do similar um, movements politically, like with law, to um, oppose the FCC's um, changes to net neutrality. So the battle kind of between federal and state on this um, is still, it's, it's yet to be determined uh, whether other states will follow. And to see California make a move like this is a sign that other states are going to do the same. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, when, when the juggernaut starts, everybody else kind of follows. I mean, when you get the first boulder, the big boulder that's holding everything back, when it falls, everything else is just going to fall right behind it. Mm -hmm. So it's, I mean, it's, it's, it is a huge move for them to, for, I mean, it's, it's not surprising in any way because of how California's politics and, and legislation has been handled in the past. But uh, once things start to get official there, I think that's when you'll start to see that, that down trickle effect. And we've seen other states like Oregon and I think Montana and maybe a couple of others, like you were saying, implement similar policies. So there are states that are that are following suit, but none with the purchasing power of California. Right. Um, which is arguably the biggest factor here if they do manage to get this through. And another big thing is, do you guys think the FCC would challenge this? Um, because uh, I, I can imagine that this would undermine a lot of their original plans. Yeah, I would certainly think so. Um, yeah. For the same reasons that this could open a door for other states, if the FCC stands up to them, it might scare other states mm -hmm. from doing the same. Yeah, I'm sure they're not stoked about it. You know, I mean, it's like they're not like, "All right, Kelly, woo!" Like it's. I'm yeah. Sure that they're. <laughs> I don't. Sure that they're like, God, come on. Yeah. Again with you guys, like it's... those hipsters and their <laughs> internet. But uh, yeah, I could. I think that like the FCC, the article alleges that the FCC could argue that the rules are directly contradicting federal level regulation. But last time I checked, isn't there? Isn't it just a repeal? Isn't wouldn't this be the absence of federal level regulation in that case? In which, in which case, the FCC wouldn't really have ground to stand on in terms of an argument. But like this is just like I said, I'm, I'm, this is just some. I'm not an expert on, in political. Uh, like in law, basically, so I, I don't know that off the top of my head. But that's what it seems like to me. Like, where's your ground to stand on if if it's if you're defending the absence of a regulation? I, I don't know this, but I think the way that it works is that um, so the net neutrality stuff that was put into play, the repeal doesn't just erase it. The repeal goes on record next to it and saying that doesn't matter anymore. So like they have their official legislation that says ignore that crap and then california went well ignore that crap that the fcc just said and we're just like wait no we don't like that so i think that's in layman's terms i think that's how it works yeah probably i think you're right and, and i definitely have i have no sources on that i just made that up so <laughs> just don't, don't you don't have to quote me on it but if it's true quote me all the time it was mine i had it okay it's true right here pal <laughs> it's true right here 
<laughs> I, I think it's the debate too of which one outweighs the other state or federal regulation um so a lot of states have various laws um which kind of go against federal regulation in general this is just another one of those um mm -hmm. i honestly don't know i think i would think that federal law would uh, outweigh state law um in general but i think that's when it goes to court to see uh, yep. which one has the right to do what yeah net neutrality officially dies on june 11th but i do not think that is the last time we will hear about net neutrality just a hunch i think that there's going to be some more news to come on net neutrality down the line um, um, before we move on though there's one thing i wanted to end this this i think i'm going to reveal myself as just being ignorant half the time but um <laughs> When we were talking about, I know we've talked about this in the past when talking about the neutrality, like the zero service ratings. What uh, uh, zero rating service? Excuse me. Um, what kind of effect do you think that's going to have on business if you can't do things like that anymore? So, like you said, you see where T-Mobile has a commercial where, hey, if you sign up for MLB.TV, it doesn't count against your data, and you get the first month for free or something like that. Like how the how do you think that's going to affect business partnerships moving forward um, if that is a big part of the of this of the, well, the fight that, that's ongoing against net neutrality? I think it's going to help business partnerships because the problem with all this zero rating services is that these companies are uh, pushing their own services out there with zero rating. I mean, T-Mobile being one of the few exceptions where they have actual business partnerships with companies. Um, but I think that this would not having that would it would be they they wouldn't necessarily be able to partner with the ISPs or the providers themselves. But um, I think this would almost stir up more competition within the industry itself that these in that these businesses normally would have an edge on because they're being zero rated by a provider. But I think that this would encourage competition between these companies and maybe you might see more uh, or less established companies come to rise. And we've seen that instances like that where we have companies like Netflix become popular and things like that. They didn't get huge on their deals. They got huge because it was a good service. Um, it'll be better to see companies be rated by their merits and not by how much money they can throw. Um, yeah, and, I, mean, I, kind I, of I think your here. example was better than than mine with the uh, the Directv and AT and T since they're kind of in bed together versus the mm -hmm. T-Mobile versus T-Mobile uh, with MLB or Netflix. But there are exceptions. Yeah, but. yeah I, I do. Your example was better for my argument. I should have used yours as well. But I think your I, I think your your explanation was good. It's it's funny no, I mean, because like, yeah, it's okay. funny because when you guys said that the article I'm looking at actually had an ad for T-Mobile and Netflix. Um, but listening. I, I think a question here is do they care because when you have companies like Netflix established with such an insanely large user base do they really care about the new companies that are I mean aside from the fact that yeah you want to you know have a proper profitable company under your belt in the future in terms of partnership if there's something new they're going to be excited about that but when you have a giant like Netflix and already in a deal with you do you really care about the up-and-coming companies I mean, no, but that being said, um, we've seen examples where a small company comes out, even if you want to look at um, look, looking at just phone providers and ISPs, like even staying at that level, you have um, the established companies like AT&T and Verizon who have, who have over the years rolled back unlimited data and rolled back a lot of policies that would normally be pro-consumer for much more of like a money farming anti-consumer process. Mm -hmm. um, and then you have a company like T-Mobile and Sprint join in offering very aggressively priced plans, unlimited data, and a lot of very nice services and perks that come bundled with it. It forces these big companies to compete and step down to their level. So even if you're a large company and you don't care, there are going to be some of these smaller companies that slip through the cracks and do become big. And that's going to force these bigger established companies to stay competitive. And that I think is what the goal is in the end. Um, that being said, it could totally be different in the future. Um, the landscape might be very different in the next five or 10 years. Uh, but then again, it's technology, technology changes on a weekly basis. 
as we so, know. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. But like, uh, I think that's, I think that's the most important part of upholding net neutrality, keeping companies competitive and keeping money and politics out of deciding what is a successful business. Um, but that's just my two cents. Um, but yeah, um, I guess we can report more on this as it develops. I'm sure we'll hear more from Oregon and the other states as their policies go through the, the circuit of courts and uh, lower levels of their uh, Congress, if you will. Yeah. Um, but we do have some pre-WWDC update information for you for anybody who is a Mac user. Uh, there is going to be messages <laughs> in iCloud and some security updates rolling out to High Sierra 10.13.5. Um, there's a bunch of other updates as well. Like I think we've even seen, uh, I saw some articles floating around. There may be rumors of a dark theme coming to Mac OS. Yeah, I saw that too. So that's going to be exciting. Um, but yeah, this is this is a, some pretty interesting news. I'm not I haven't had a chance to read too much into it, Jeff. Do you um, want to talk about the messages in iCloud at all? Yeah, sure. So it's something that's been in the works for a little while now. But um, yeah, messages in iCloud basically means that um, your messages will sync across devices pretty seamlessly. Um, so in the past, if you sent and received messages on your phone and then had your account also active on like your MacBook, for example, um, mm. you may not see all of the same messages that were sent because they were stored on the device. Um, now that it's uh, on iCloud, those will sync between devices. So your sent and received message history will be in sync across devices. And if you did something like deleting a message on one device, that would propagate to the other should you um, be using iCloud for your message history, um, which is pretty cool. It was frustrating in the past for me. I was telling you a little before the show, Matt, um, when I was looking at my messages on my MacBook not too long ago, I had messages from like five years ago that I obviously had deleted. Uh, I'm not even an iPhone user anymore, and they were still on there. And then um, other iMessages that I'd sent since then were nowhere to be found. So with mm -hmm. this um, update, it'll give users kind of like a seamless transition between devices, which is always nice. Yeah. Yeah, I, I had a lot of issues where um, the, every time I would log into messages on my MacBook, it would seem like... I was just getting the messages of drunk nights past, uh, like ha haunting me years later while I'm sitting next to my girlfriend. Like, <laughs> yeah. The only, and the only time that it would ever update live is when we were watching Netflix or Hulu, not uh, when I was doing anything else. I would yeah. get a text. If I'm sitting on the computer doing something else by myself, I would get a text and it would never pop up on my, la on my MacBook. But if we're watching Netflix, you better guarantee every single one of those texts from that group text that is lit. <laughs> in that moment is coming through and interrupting us. That, you can guarantee That kind of reminds me of that we were like, uh, we were chatting this past week about the GDPR and getting, uh, you know, the, the policy updates, emails from various services we use. I was like, oh, it's reminding me of services I forgot I had accounts on. And it's like, oh, thanks for the friendly reminder, Tinder, that you upgraded your privacy concerns yeah. now that I'm in a relationship. <laughs> yeah. Thanks, okay, Cupid, for reminding me that I sent 18,000 messages and got one reply. Exactly. Five, <laughs> thank God you updated your privacy. Thank you so much. 18, anyway. I didn't send 18,000 for yeah. those who were one. Right. Those. Yeah. But anyway, well, just kind of going off. I managed to be largely untouched by the privacy policy updates. I feel like I've only gotten like five or six. Yo, do something, bro. Yeah. How's, how's the weather? Some stuff on the internet. How's the social media enough? Yeah. <laughs> how, Go how, do stuff inside on your computer. How's the weather up there on your high horse, Matt? <laughs> <laughs> it's good. The weather's fine. Anyway. This message update is also on iOS, as you might expect, just to kind of tie up that little part of the conversation. Um, yeah. You're also going to see some security updates on this High Sierra update, which include vulnerability updates, um, which are addressed on graphics drivers for Intel and AMD chips. Um, previously, it would allow applications to read restricted memory, which obviously you don't want. And there was it fixes a vulnerability in the uh, mail app, which allowed people attackers, notably, to access the contents of encrypted emails, which also you would like to have updated. Yeah, thank mm -hmm. God I don't use that thing. Yeah, right. So, um, <laughs> Maybe now I will. But. 
So Mac users out there, when you see the little uh, update available in the top corner of your uh, screen, you're going to want to install that. Sure. I did it already, guys. It doesn't take very long at all. Good for you. <laughs> a so, lot of people are hesitant to update. You can do this when you update your printer drivers, too. You know, just at the yep, same time. <laughs> and now Bring for your back to the beginning. PSA. There you go. <laughs> I love it. My beard was much smaller back then. I think mine was about the same. Still up to date. I don't know if I even had a beard during that one. Is this a... This, we might be at the one-year anniversary of printer drivers. <laughs> yeah, we could might be. be yeah. <laughs> when, it, when it comes down to it, we might actually be. Yeah, we really could. Yeah. Wow. I still can't believe it's been a year. But What a year it's um, been. What? I said, what a year it's been. Yeah. And to think, um, exactly 365 days ago, my Android tablet worked. <laughs> and now, 365 days later, Google has killed off its Android tablet webpage and brought it back. So that has nothing to do with my specific tablet. But if I was looking to purchase a replacement, um, I almost couldn't do that. Um, so, yeah, it looks like there is a mistaken commit speaking of repos and repositories and all that, to uh, the Google Android tablet web page, um, and which they rolled back later um, overnight. So it looks like uh, Android tablets are slowly on their way out the door. And, um, and I'm seeing fewer and fewer people um, looking to purchase iPads and looking to purchase Basically, does any larger form media tablet that isn't like a Chromebook or a MacBook? Um, and I'm curious to hear your guys' thoughts on this because tablets used to be huge, and um, everybody remembers the the announcement of the iPad and the circulation of the media that happened around that. And like large form smartphone technology, what is this? Why do we need a bigger screen now? Next thing you know, smartphones are approaching six inch screens and um, I'm curious, what do you guys think um, about th this whole thing? Um, well, I, I maybe wonder, less specifically the tablet page. I wonder if we're reading into this too much, kind of. Uh, I don't mm -hmm. know if it really is something, a deeper meaning for Google, where they're actually giving up their, uh, their tablets and focusing on things like Chromebooks, or if it was just a developer mistake. Um, it looks like their SVP for platforms and ecosystems um, made a statement saying that they had a bug when they updated the site. But why was that bug there? Why was yeah. that, that tablet section not included? Conspiracy time. Right. Let's so <laughs> is it because they are moving away from uh, tablets like you were suggesting? Is it because someone just forgot to include that section of their website in their code? How did it get removed? Yeah. You know? Especially enough to warrant a tweet from Hiroshi Lockheimer himself, where he's like, "Oops, we had a bug when we updated the sites back yeah. up. Now, sorry for the confusion. Like, uh, are, was that meant to be released later? Exactly. Uh, maybe after a couple of events that happen later, or something. Like, why are we? Like, I don't know. Like, it's something that is definitely curious." Um, I'm going to want to hear more about this as it goes forward. But uh, like, to, to kind of stick with the root of the discussion, I do think Android tablets are on their way out the door. Yeah. Like, and specifically tablets in general, not just Android tablets. Um, there's less of a use for them now that smartphones are becoming bezel-less, which allows them to add another inch or so onto what was already a five and a half inch screen. And the hardware inside of them is getting beefier too. So yeah. they, they can do more. You don't really need to rely on that tablet anymore. Yeah, um, and also with Chromebooks that can now run full Android applications on the on a window in the OS, like the need for large form devices is becoming much lower, especially with the low entry cost of a Chromecast or with a Chromebook. My, my mistake. You don't need to spend six or seven hundred dollars on a Chromebook. You can get one for two hundred dollars. I wonder if uh, future Pixel announcements are going to address this in some way. Because mm -hmm. we Maybe, know that yeah. we know there's there's rumblings of the Pixel Three and the the kind of lightweight Pixel phone they're uh, set to release. So I wonder if there's some sort of uh, device they're going to be coming out with, which kind of makes tablets obsolete in a way. Yeah. Um, 
I would imagine that they still have tablets to sell, though. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. So, <laughs> gotta still have that inventory. Yeah, gonna... exactly. And like and products. Also... Go ahead. Okay. No. Okay. I was saying, chat brings up a good point. Um, everyone using their phone and uh, plus the app, the tablet market price range for Amazon tablets are hard to beat for watching stuff when traveling. Amazon has that market pretty good right now with the the Kindle and um, the, that whole line of tablets that they've released. Um, because tablets are really only good for large form media and not really good for anything else. And um, like maybe outside of say like audiobooks and like eBooks and stuff, I don't see much of a use, but, um, but yeah, tablets are slowly working their way out. And, and like also not to mention when you have something as powerful as the iPad that Apple seems, to, that doesn't seem like it's going anywhere with the iPad pro and, the iPad mini lines that are now out and prevalent. Like, I don't think people need to replace them as often as a smartphone. Everybody yeah. who I've seen has had the same iPad or same tablet device that they've been using for the past four years, five years. And they're um, kind of just like collecting dust from what I've seen. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah I, there, there's a few people out there who use them. I think a lot of artists use them. I think it's, it seems stupid, but uh, it's really big in the, in the digital comic realm, mm-hmm. um, the iPad Pro is is huge in that in that realm. Uh, whether it's people who do like small Instagram comics or people who write full fledged comics, I think that the um, the tools that are there for for artists get taken full advantage of. But that is not a huge genre. So it's it's mm-hmm. like you said, it's half the people who bought them for uses are now using other things. I think that. One of the big things that, I mean, obviously we didn't think of it at the time, but looking back, I mean, if you go to previous episodes, I actually, we've actually made fun of Apple commercials when the little girl is playing on her iPad and someone says, oh, is that a computer? And it's like, what's a computer? (laughs) (laughs) But um, the, the, uh, I think that, that you saw a big shift in advertisements from the ipad or excuse me that a tablet in general was the alternative to your phone hey look it's bigger you can do a little bit more with it mm-hmm. and then they shifted that because phones have become so powerful and you can do everything on there already to now look at how this is an alternative to your computer yeah. and then oh well we already have the computer though so it, it's i think it's just like you said it was a cool idea that's kind of met its middle ground while everything else evolved around around it so yeah. it's kind of just sitting in the middle between two products that do what it's trying to do just as well if not better it's almost like a niche market now like you, you saw them push with the ipad pro that came out with their stylus so it was like very accurately recording what you're doing on the screen um, you have yeah. to think about why you need a touch interface and what applications use that kind of touch interface and then market to those people who would be using that application um not everybody really needs a tablet i think that's what it comes down to mm-hmm. so yeah and like like we were saying smartphones are plenty powerful as it is so anything like if you need like if you need it for consuming media you can get an xl smartphone and then you have the best of both worlds anywhere you happen to be in your pocket if you need to do any kind of word processing instead of getting a super expensive keyboard case for your tablet you just go out and get a cheap chromebook Mm -hmm. and you work within google drive and google docs um if you need to if you're an artist or a professional in that space you can just as easily go and get an ipad pro if you want to stay with tablets or you can just go to a surface or the surface studio or to a wacom tablet or to any of these other other forms of media and it's just yeah like you said the, the tablet just seems like the the leftover Legos, if you will, of like yeah. the tech space. <laughs> like it does a lot of things, but it doesn't do one thing great. So it doesn't really have any kind of staying power other than like, hey, look, it's a bigger screen than your smartphone. <laughs> yeah, it's. I mean, but that's basically what it's become. Is as as everything else has evolved, it's become like you said, super niche. It's it's for artists on the go versus an artist that that goes home. That's basically just- the only thing it's for now. There's just some underground circuit of bejeweled players who just <laughs> <laughs> like in a basement, like around, like all sitting on a round table, just playing online solitaire. But <laughs> they're playing yeah, they're... speeds online against each other on their tablets <laughs> instead of with a deck of cards. Oh my yeah. goodness! That's, got, um, that's but we don't remember it. the rules. It does it for us. 
Yeah. <laughs> oh man. Um, but um, no one knows the scoring of spades. No. That's that's why they made it an app. And if you do, you're a liar. <laughs> All I know is you don't want to be holding a queen when the turn ends. Yeah. Or the, the round like ends. Yeah. Anyway. Plays, it depends if you like the twos or not. I'd say uh, twos are wild. I don't know. Yeah. Either way. But um, yeah, I I don't think like while this this specific thing isn't exactly huge news i I did think it was a good opportunity to talk about the state of tablets because they used to have such a huge they used to get so much attention from the media because they were so popular like not even five or six years ago and now it just seems like they're a relic of an older format of technology that's slowly working its way out the door we get, so. like touch touch devices were kind of like the the voice control devices of today back then too like they were, they were the real cat's pajamas <laughs> <laughs> they were they were just like gaining traction though amongst like maybe um some different generations i guess you could say yeah. and mm -hmm. i feel like that's kind of lost its uh spark at mm -hmm. this point so, yeah, yeah. For, for our generation, we felt like it was, hey, look, this is our thing. You know, this is this was born during our era and we understand it fully. And then our parents and grandparents and so, they were like, this is what the movies about the future talked about. And we finally get to see it. So it was a really cool thing. Right. Yeah. And like you said, that's why everybody started doing it and making eight different models and this and that. And now it's just kind of like, oh, well, our phones already do that and our computers already do that. So this mm -hmm. is just a thing that's here. Maybe that explains why it's still because tablets are still relatively popular, but they're more popular with older um, populations and people who like it's more for like a Facebook device, something you can use while sitting on your couch watching TV. And it's just like another screen. Like they grew up with like Star Trek and all this stuff where like the guy was walking around with like the touchscreen tablet and stuff. My dad to a T. You literally some, just described my dad's life. Like some people were just like, this is amazing. Look at this. It's like literally a communicator from Star Trek or oh my God, look at this. And like maybe that's got some kind of like a nostalgia thing or maybe like subconsciously. Like this is getting real deep and esoteric now. So you can cut me off whenever. But like <laughs> I think that's like there may be something there. Yeah. I can. I kind of compare it to like, you know, like when your parent has to stare at the phone on the wall while dialing, yeah. and then you mm -hmm. get to the one with the giant buttons and they can stand comfortably again. That's yeah. kind of what tablets are like. Yeah. <laughs> it's it's the giant button phones for old people. That's what yeah. it's phones for people with astigmatism. <laughs> it's like the 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 big like huge remote with like the massive buttons. Yes. Like, you know, like the, the joke remotes that people actually bought seriously and gave to like elderly people to use for their televisions. Yeah, There's that's like what a universal remote, but the button is the size of As a of matter of fact, the tablet now has that universal remote on it. That's how, <laughs> right. that's mm -hmm. how like it it is. Yeah. <laughs> it's true. Yeah. I wonder, uh, and all this from a website being published live without a tab for tablets. Yeah. This whole discussion. Yeah. So, all about a bug. Be careful what you commit, I guess. Yeah. Looks <laughs> down uh, bugs. Get that yeah. digital raid, son. Yeah. Speaking of consuming social media, and um, this doesn't have anything to do with large form media, so I'm just going to disregard the second half of that. <laughs> uh, some teens are starting to actually um, go ahead and move forward with the quit Facebook movement that everybody was really going crazy on and myself included. I'm not, I'm not guilty of looking. I'm not able to look down on those people. I am one of those people for a brief moment. Um, they are dumping Facebook for YouTube, Instagram, which is a weird one and Snapchat, um, Snapchat and YouTube. I can see why they would do that. Uh, YouTube a little less so just because it's another giant company. Um, but Instagram, <laughs> Instagram is still owned by Facebook. Yeah. You're still... I don't think people are, are dropping these services because they're giant companies. I think that has nothing to do with it. I think they're dropping because Facebook got weird for a second. And and they were just like, hey, well, we still want to broadcast our lives. Like, we don't care about the text anymore. Yeah. Snapchat does just that. I don't have to worry about text. And all my messages that I say that are either super weird or super flirty or super hateful or whatever it might be or super nice who cares they disappear immediately so no one has to ever see it again uh and then instagram they know hey people broadcast live on instagram i can go there they don't look at oh who owns it 
They mm -hmm. go, I can broadcast my life on these three apps all the time. Everyone gets to see my face. That's what I want. And now yeah. they, they provide a source of um, like news and media too, like Snapchat yeah. stories that aren't from your friends. They're from pages or magazines or websites or what have you. Like what, what do you need Facebook for now? Yeah. And also I think since this is a, a this birthday is a probably reminders. that yeah. is, I was birthday thinking app. about that today before yeah. the show. Yeah. <laughs> this is another, um, a big potential, um, going back on the older demographics, a lot of like parents and older people are starting to utilize the Facebook platform to get in touch with old friends and family and arrange events through that. And the presence of, of adults in this network, I think is a bit of a turnoff to kids and to younger people being like, Oh, I got to now worry about what my parents are going to see me post. Like I can't, I don't have the freedom to post whatever I want. I don't have the freedom to like, to complain about my parents or like, uh, post like photos of me having fun with my friends. When I told my parents, I was actually just going to sleep over somebody else's house. Like there's probably some, some of that also playing into it. Um, the delete Facebook movement, maybe less so. Um, I was I jumped to a conclusion there, but um, that may yeah, still yeah. have a small thing in there. But you know, <laughs> but uh, but yeah. So I I just think that um, I think that's also a contributing factor as well, wanting to get away from authority figures. And um, you're right. That definitely could be it. I mean, um, I'm fully prepared to uh, to create burner accounts on all the on every social media platform and follow my kids. So. <laughs> Thank God he doesn't listen to this podcast. <laughs> well, you see, that's because you're you have like grown up as these technologies are yeah, like, uh -huh. getting really. And I know the dumb things that I've done on there, and I know the dumb things that my friend, the dumber things that my friends and people that I know have done, and yeah. I want to protect him from all those. But it's so easy. I mean, a lot of the dumb things that I did on social media was because I saw my friends do them and nothing happened to them. So I was like, oh, that means you can do that here. Yeah. Five years later, I was like, I need a job. I need yeah. all of that. It's horrible. Mm -hmm. um, so I, I, I think that uh, even though it sounds shady, I think that tracking your your kids on social media, regardless of it's Facebook or Snapchat or Instagram or YouTube or whatever, is is important for their safety in the future. That's it. Mm -hmm. You can look at that both ways. That's a topic now, but yeah, you could say give them independence or keep an eye on them, to make sure that what they're doing is like not going to get them hurt in some way. But at yeah. the same point, um, it is becoming a problem that people are spending so much time sucked into social media and to these, uh, and into these platforms. Um, like, you, like this article says that uh, nearly half said they're online, quote, almost constantly. Um, and uh, yeah. it, it's like I, I was at the grocery store the other day and there was a kid sitting in a shopping cart and his face was like sucked into a smartphone. And like without even looking up to his parents who were pushing the shopping cart, he was like, "Oh, is there Wi-Fi here? Like, oh, can I like connect to Wi-Fi? Like, just like sucked into a device and you, like you hear the sounds of the the app that he was using or whatever, probably playing like Fortnite or something." With mobile, like, oh, go ahead. Sorry, I'm no, cutting. No, that, that was my whole point. I was just like freaked out by that a little bit. With mobile devices, you never sign out of these services. Like back yeah. when you used to use Facebook on a computer, you could sign out or you'd close the window, you're, you'd get off the computer. Your device is always with you now. Yeah. It's like not just kids, everyone's always on these services. Even when a you're really, sleeping, you're getting updates. Like Yeah, a really good example of that was AOL Instant Messenger for me. Mm -hmm. That was almost like a phone service for me, like texting. Like I, I signed in and I saw that three or four people were online and I was like, Oh, they're not doing anything. Let me message them and see if they want to hang out outside. Well, yeah. That's, like and that. that's kind of like what Facebook led to is like uh, a instant, like an aim 2.0 almost like you got to see pictures of your friends. They got to put, they posted status updates. You can like just stuff like that. It was, it was like a different realm. And I feel like now no one cares about your tech status update. It's all about pictures and it's all about like, what you're, what doing. you're doing yeah so like snapchat you can record that live and just send a video to someone you could put filters on it instagram you have a story that's based on pictures you can put a live feed of what you're doing twitter mm -hmm. if you do want to do text-based you can send out a limited amount of characters like why why do you need facebook anymore that's kind of what i'm getting at yeah i i do get when you i mean when you put it that plainly i, I mean i i do understand i think that they they used to claim themselves as the the platform that did all the things that 
that everybody else was doing. I mean, when, especially when they integrated the live video and obviously everybody knows about the post, but when everybody else does that one thing so well, it's, it's so, it's not like it's a hassle to have the other three apps. It's not like it's a hassle to have Twitter and Snapchat and Instagram versus just having Facebook. You can get these three platforms that do those things so well and get everything that you would out of Facebook and anyway. Do you want something so bulky too? Like if you want to send a live video story, then you use the app that does just that. Like you may not want to intertwine yeah. all those things. Mm -hmm. So yeah. I, I feel like if, if you're going to be using Snapchat, if you're going to be using Instagram, then you have no reason to use Facebook. Half the pictures you see on Facebook are automatically shared from Instagram. Yep. Yeah. So what's the point if you're socially connected otherwise? Yeah. And also um, this article, the TechCrunch article that we have, points out that YouTube is among the most popular out of all three of these. Yeah. So there's that that desire to be consuming media and like keeping up with like your favorite YouTube stars or keeping up with news or like I, I've used YouTube for everything from music videos to sports highlights all the way to like tutorials on like how to do something if I'm fixing like my server or fixing something or like I need to know like just like how do you do this? No, like yeah. I think you can find anything on any of these platforms. I mean, much for, like for the same reason you would benefit maybe from using a tablet for education based uh, as opposed to a textbook, you you'd use YouTube as opposed to Facebook because you're going to view what's happening. You can have someone share what they're doing. You can see their hands maybe tinkering if that's what you're you're watching a tutorial. Um you can hear it, you don't have to read it. So Yeah, I mean, if I go to Facebook and ask for advice on something, 9 times out of 10 the response is a YouTube link. Mm -hmm. Right. Yeah. Um, and, you know, you, YouTube's just, it's an entertainment hub. Yep. I, I mean, and you don't have to, you don't have to publish your own videos there. Like Facebook, you can kind of go ghost and just read what people are doing. But on YouTube, like that's what it's kind of made for. You're going to take in other people's content as opposed to not, you don't have to necessarily put your own out there. Yeah. Like even myself included, I probably spend more time out of these social media platforms on YouTube than any of the other ones. Yeah, me too. There's people that I've watched that I like following what they're doing. There's like, every, it's like literally, like I said, everything from tutorials to vlogs, to sports highlights to whatever, it's just all there. Yeah. So, but, and I can see that it may eventually end up passing Facebook in terms of staying power just because people stay on that for longer. Um, but it's, it's definitely interesting to see that the younger uh, population is, moving to these other uh, more ADHD style platforms where you can consume small form media quickly and jump between these platforms as well. Like Snapchat, you get 10 second videos, Instagram, you get the same thing plus photos and you can quickly scroll through a feed. Mm -hmm. YouTube, you can scroll through a feed and get short form videos or you can watch long stuff if you want, but it's yeah. mostly short form. Yeah. So, yeah. Speaking of, uh, of aim though, <laughs> Isn't it funny how like the the lie because it's it's only funny because we brought this up at work the other day. So it's how how often are you bringing up aim and it happened twice in one week for me. <laughs> um, our live video or our status update back in the day, that was the away messages, man. The away messages were key in aim. If you oh, didn't have yeah. some witty away message. Yeah. You might as well not even be on there. And your yeah, aim, and your profile when you could like right click or whatever. I don't even know how you did it back then. It was all text-based. Yeah, it was all initials of your friends. You have like they quote about what order it was in. Lyrics from songs. You'd have like there would people be people with their best friends' initials. Remember that? Oh yeah, dude. I remember <laughs> the away message where you put like the variable so it shows the current time or date or something like that. Oh yeah, that was that was sick back then. That was the same thing with MySpace where you could actually like edit the HTML and CSS and stuff of the page. Yeah, and like change things the way you wanted them to look. Yeah, and I know we've talked. I think we talked about this on the episode. Uh, Help me, uh, MySpace Tom Kenobi or whatever. <laughs> yeah, I think we were talking about that, like customizing it back in the day with your background image and your auto playlist and all that. Yeah, my auto playlist was so edgy. Mine was too. Then. It was like yeah. all like emo and punk rock. <laughs> yeah, dude. Mine yeah. was emo, Linkin Park, and like gangster rap. And That's then it. the last one that I had on there was George on my mind by Ray Charles. Wow. So weird, but that was the last one. Wow. You gotta you gotta end on a good note. Oh yeah, yeah. That's and then and then my page faded away into black forever. That was it. That's I think beautiful. One of mine for a really long time was Come On Eileen. That was my song. Hey, and then I had like song. Smile in Your Sleep by Silverstein. 
There you go. Yeah. <laughs> Silverstein. Yeah, I, mean, I like that transition. Yeah, back in the day. <laughs> I also would have like uh some hip hop on there too. But mm-hmm. oh, I, I digress. Remember when you could uh, change it from like the top eight to like your top sixteen? Oh man. Yeah. That was Everybody freaked out. Oh, the top eight on MySpace. The top eight was real. Dropped off of your top six <sighs> or top ten. Oh, yeah. Like, what, like what? there has there was like actual like drama that like that manifested into real life confrontations when people dropped off their top ten. Yeah, that was that was, was a like, real thing. Why did you do that? Like <laughs> <sighs> to avoid any controversy uh, and legit. This is this was my actual thinking. So people would stop bothering me about my top eight. I just made it all bands yeah. i stopped caring i was yeah. like you know what and then if i was dating someone they were number one and then it was seven bands that yep. was it yeah see there's my number one out of here yeah. <laughs> oh my lincoln, goodness lincoln park since day one dog what's up <laughs> different times papa roach og papa roach <laughs> papa roach is <laughs> <laughs> your last resort of your top eight yeah Yo, <laughs> all the trends are breathing. <laughs> that caught me off guard oh man oh I was so ready to like listen. Like I was doing that thing where I listen to what you say, but then I'm just waiting to say what I'm gonna say. And then I, it, my brain processed it. That was good. That was good. Thanks, man. Uh, I had an eighth grade girlfriend literally uh, threaten to break up with me because someone else's initials were before hers in my AIM profile. That's a true story. Oh man, <laughs> that's so funny. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, looking human. back on all this is so good. Humans, oh, yeah. Humans are yeah, such great. interesting this creatures. Is what this is like yeah. for the teens of today who are doing all this. No, it's Snapchat it's a lot more serious today, I feel like. Like the the news that you see and the current events and everything, that's really heavy for te- like teens. I feel like we didn't even like think about that stuff. Yeah. No, I never thought about what was going on overseas and that is right in your face on Snapchat or right after your buddy chugging a beer in the woods. Like yeah. it's yeah. right there. Yeah. Yeah. Mass media. Mm-hmm. So, I'm curious to see what the side effects of that are going down the line. But that's a whole yeah. different discussion for a whole different day. Well, I feel it might, like it, it might be making yeah. it might be making uh, teens more woke, as you know, teens say. Yeah. That's exactly what I was gonna say. Yeah. So woke. I mean, you Beat see, me I everyone has their opinion on current events in the country in America with you know the gun debate, school shootings, things like that. But those kids who are doing walkouts and things like that, like I don't think that would ever happen like 10 years ago nope. i no. completely agree and i think so, social media is a hundred percent i think the reason why it can happen it's the ha- hashtag so, woke generation whether it's yeah, good or, whether it's good or bad in your opinion i think that there's a direct causality there so yeah i i actually uh, completely agree with that it's something that i didn't think about until we started this discussion but i i completely agree that that is uh, that's an obvious reason of why this generation is doing the types of things that we never did. I mean, it's, it's funny how the more involved the generation becomes, the more they become like the people before us. Cause that stuff used to happen back in the day before social media ever existed. Mm-hmm. And our generation and the generations right around ours kind of fell into this realm where we didn't follow what was going on. Cause we had things to distract us. And now that those things that distracted us have evolved to a point where they involve everything, both good and bad and negative and positive and world events and your own personal life, that's leading to generations that are more involved and understand things that are going on better than maybe our generation did at the time. So that's an interesting, that's an interesting point. It's kind of similar to what I was going to say, but like, you remember that quote that was like, if if you don't learn from history, you're doomed to repeat it. Mm -hmm. I feel like this kind of enables younger generations to interface with themselves as opposed to other generations. So like, I don't know if they're going to like we if we go see news and we listen to someone from a different generation tell us a story i think we kind of take it at face value we we contemplate a little bit i think that maybe younger generations are kind of snowballing off their own generation's ideas now too yeah um a little more not even that like when you consider that like older technology that we were when we were that age um that stuff wasn't as well established or as more importantly global than right. it is today. Right. And kids today and people who are growing up with this technology uh, in like the formative years of their lives, they are growing up in a global environment. Mm-hmm. They get news and stuff from like whether it's Dubai or China or 
all the way out in Japan or South Korea just as quickly as they get, like Kyle was saying, their friend chugging a beer in the woods. Like yeah. it it happens so fast and it's so global. It's yeah. Like you're saying, it you can only you can it's only natural that you're more woke. And you can you can base your own opinions off of people, yeah, like you're saying, globally throughout the world, instead of just maybe going off what your family has always believed. Or like maybe you don't have to oppose your family's beliefs because they messed up or did something wrong to make you think that way you can just hear someone else's story or their opinion and shape your own a lot more easily mm-hmm. yeah so kids anyway. be wilding yeah this i mean it, it, it's it's funny that you know the people before us talk about oh these kids with their technology nowadays but when you really dig into it like we just did you can you, you can start to realize that maybe the more things that we've put in their hands, the more information that we've put in their hands, the smarter and more aware of their surroundings they've actually become. They're not taking in the beautiful flower that they just walked past, but they know more about what's going on in the world than me and you. And like, it's not you specific, but like me and the people who are saying, Oh, it's too much technology. Well, you know what? Like Johnny just cured cancer. So yeah. Okay. We had a tablet in his hand for like the first eight years of his life, but he understood what how people were being affected by an event more than you and I did. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it gets into the discussion of whether or not that's maybe right or wrong, like in terms of their life experience, I guess. But you're you're certainly right. The information yeah. at fingertips allows people like, to Tommy, do so go much outside more. and play football like Papa used to when he was young. Go outside and get some fresh air. It's like, <laughs> but Dad, have you even heard of the Gaza Strip right now? It's crazy. You can't yeah, do that. Exactly. I mean, when this gets back into AR too, like when you have a heads-up display, so to speak, on your life, maybe you'll get to do both a lot more easily. Yeah. Yeah. Um, oh my God! Can you imagine like you're running with a football and you get a notification in your eye and it's like fall it. Put your put <laughs> your hands up now. <laughs> yeah. More connected yeah. than ever. But. Uh, yeah like we could go on about this for hours and hours we could also we could also get into like the the source of content too in this discussion about what's reliable what's not but yeah that's uh that's also a a meaty topic as well yeah and that kind of ties back into the net neutrality is like we want as many people to be to be giving us the news so we know it's reliable rather than five people who are all who are owned by two people anyway giving us these and that gets information so it kind of ties back in that gets into that topic we covered not long ago too about the news story that was broadcast word for word by like a hundred different news channels yeah that was on our little bonus thing that we did where i played the audio from that yeah that was terrifying yeah and and like kudos to whoever did that and actually put that video together where they overlaid like 150 different news organizations right saying the exact same thing yeah at the same time that was um sinclair media i think was yeah that's the overall company that's exactly right yeah yeah but um yeah yeah dude we live in a crazy world we sure do yeah and it's it's only gonna get crazier i think before it gets less crazy i agree yeah um but that being said, uh, if you guys have any other topics uh, before we close out, I think that brings us to the end of the episode. It does. Yeah. I'm all set here. Yeah. All right. know, my topic well, is thanks for inviting me back, guys. It's a long hiatus, but I'm happy to be here. You're you always welcome. Whenever you'd like. yeah. Always thanks. welcome. Yes. Thanks, guys. Yeah. I just miss both of your faces, even though I get to see one of you every day. <laughs> I miss your face, too even though i see it a lot a i miss lot. your face in a digital platform <laughs> i'm tired of seeing it in real life <laughs> um but yeah as for if our listeners want to see our faces they can obviously if you're watching us now you can catch up with us on twitch we stream on twitch weekly on sundays whenever we get the chance um we stream we used to stream to youtube and other places but we don't do that so catch up with us on twitch if you do Give us a follow if you like watching this stuff so you can get notified when we go live. Um, if not, we also post those live notifications as long as other articles and topics to our Facebook page um, and our Twitter, which if you're watching the stream, you can find the accounts above. Or if not, you can find us at Industry40, all spelled out. If you just type in the name of the podcast, we'll show up or one of the first results. Um, if you want to listen to us after the fact or recommend a friend listen to us, if you're listening on your buddy's phone and you don't have us on your subscription list, you can find us on Google Play, iTunes, Stitcher, TuneIn, basically any podcatcher under the sun, um, Pocket Cast, you name it, we, we're on it. Um, 
You can add our RSS feed to Plex, which has just recently added podcasts as well. Yeah. We're not, I looked on there. We're not on there. It's probably just because it's doing a preliminary search and it's in beta, but uh, you can manually add the RSS feed. And if you don't know where to find that RSS feed, you can find it at industry40, all spelled out, dot podbean.com. And aside from that, uh, we also do a little bit of stuff on the side. If you enjoyed the beats of this podcast during any of the intro or end sequences, and our, um, if you're a real throwback listener during our break segments, <laughs> you can find them at soundcloud.com slash thejbones. Uh, that was like five months ago, our breaks. Yeah, we, used to we haven't have. done that in a long time. The classic. Now these yeah. episodes are sprints, were efficient. But um, if you like photography, our very own Wayne Ryan Thompson also does the album art for the J-Bones' music on SoundCloud. You can find them at flickr.com slash photo slash Wayne R. Thompson, Instagram, Wayne Ryan 21 and Irvin Lucas, who's also not here today. He has an Instagram, Lucas as well. Um, yeah, um, Kyle, what are you working on? Do you have anything exciting? Uh, nothing, nothing at the moment. Um, Chase and I, uh, Chase, my son, and I are working on bringing back our uh, our popular wrestling podcast. Um, we're probably going to go through the same streams that we all go through here uh, in Industry 4.0. So we're probably going to be hosted through Podbean, and our own J Buds will be providing uh, the music eventually. Um, whenever I decide to actually <laughs> get this thing off the ground, he is prepared. Uh, he keeps reminding me that he'll do it whenever I'm ready. So that's right. <laughs> throwing it right back in my court to actually get this thing off the ground. So uh, if you are a professional wrestling fan, feel free to to, to stay on the lookout. We're going to start it soon. Um, Fishing for Heat. We did decide on a title. Fishing for Heat will be the podcast. So we'll let you know when it officially launches. Yeah. And myself, um, there's a little bit of a, a pet project, which has evolved into a new podcast for me as well. Um, I also need to get around to creating it. It will also be hosted on Podbean, um, potentially also featuring music from the J-Bones as well. <laughs> <laughs> it's what I'm good at, you know. <laughs> it is not called Fish and Reheat. It is called Whomst Conspire. So it is a late-night-styled conspiracy theory podcast featuring excellent gardening tips from my co-host. <laughs> uh, you'll think they're serious, but they are deadpan and they are 100% serious gardening tips. So if you are a gardener and you are looking for some advice on your garden, then listen to our conspiracy podcast. The first episode is about chemtrails. Um, that is already recorded. I just need to get around to setting everything up and editing the episode. So once that's done, um, I will be uh, plugging the link for that. Whomst conspire. So keep an eye out for that if you're looking for it. But um, but yeah, also, just as an FYI to our listeners, it's an explicit podcast. So if you're not looking for something that's a little bit more heavy in language, I would suggest going elsewhere for your news. Um, it's a late night format, so no filter. Just as an FYI. But yeah, I think that's it. This is uh no filters, but pop filters, son. <laughs> right. That's right. I, I, see like what that. you, I see what you did there. <laughs> that was clever. Yeah, I try. All right. Well, it looks like that has been episode 53 and we will see you guys next week. Thanks for listening.